start with a question this morning. How patient are you? And maybe as you're thinking about the answer, maybe a better question would be how patient does everyone else think you are? And here, maybe to get you going along that line of thinking is, what's the maximum amount of time you will wait for the person in front of you to realize that that's the only shade of green the traffic light's going to offer before they go? Or how long will you stand in line until you move to another one or simply give up and go home? How long will you wait for someone to return your phone call? How long will you wait for God to answer your prayer? The answers to these questions tell us a lot about how patient we are or how impatient we are. And to be honest with you, we all need area in this work, especially as it comes to things of the Lord and the promises that God has made to us. In Genesis 16, if you have your Bible, we're going to kind of go there. We're going to look at a couple of different places. This, this sermon is more topical rather than digging in deep in one place in Scripture. But the story in Genesis 16 is an interesting story. God has made a promise to Abraham of a son. And Abraham, when we enter Genesis 16, is 85 years old. And it has been 10 years since God has promised him a son. He said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And Abraham has been waiting for God to work. Sarah, Abraham's wife, obviously involved in that promise, has been waiting for God to work. And in Genesis 16, we see Sarah do what a lot of us do when we get tired of waiting for something to happen. We take things into our own hands. And the story in Genesis 16, and we'll just read uh, verses 1 through 4, and then I'll jump over to verse 16. But here's the story. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And that was what God promised. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. <clears throat> and Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children even though he promised that she would, go into my servant that it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. And so after Abram lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And then down in verse 16. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. 
Now, that seems kind of strange to us because we don't do that in our culture, but, but this sort of thing was very common in their culture when a wife was unable to provide a family, provide children. It was very common in that day. And those children that a servant would have were the legal children of the husband and the wife. And they were a legal heir. And so Sarah thought, well, you know, God did this and it must be, you know, that God needs a little help in this category. So we'll do it this way. We may look at this event and say, well, Sarah, that's, you know, you shouldn't have done that. That's not the right response. You should have waited on God. But then I have to think. There's been a lot of times that I haven't waited on God. I think in some way each and every one of us have done the same thing. When it comes to waiting on God. We have been impatient. We try to take matters into our own hand when God is still working those matters out. And the interesting thing about it is you know who the descendants of Ishmael are. And they've been a thorn in the flesh of God's people since that time there the Arab nations, the Ishmaelites. And so there was a consequence for not waiting patiently on the promise of God and for God to provide. And the amazing thing about it, and this is kind of how our our music thing fits in, is God in his grace carried out his promise just as he said he would. And later, Sarah and Abraham had the child of promise, Isaac. Now, there were consequences, but God demonstrated his grace in spite of Abraham and Sarah's impatience. You have a handout, and we're going to look at some things there, but I just want to look at this topic a little bit, because when it comes to the things of the Lord, even though he is gracious, uh, when, when he has instructed us and he wants us to wait and be patient, it's important that we, we understand the reasons why. And so I ran across an impatience test. And so this is on your, on your handout. And, and the first thing I learned about it is that one of the symptoms, one of the, the, the symptoms of being impatient is do we find ourselves trying to help God? When God says he's going to do something and he chooses a different path and we think it ought to be done, we, we step up and we try to help God. Sarah was only trying to help God fulfill his promise. But you see, God already had a plan. God did not need the help that Sarah was offering to Abraham and God. He promised them a son and and 10 years later there was no son. So surely it had to be time for them to come up with a plan. And we deal with God that way a lot of times. God, you said you were going to do this, but 
We haven't seen it happen. God, we, 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 we understand that, that this is an outcome that you want, but we don't see that outcome. So we take things into our own hands and, and, and do things that may have some consequences that are very damaging to God's people. Stories told of a man who was walking around the block and he noticed his neighbor trying to get a washing machine through the door of his house. And he, being the good neighbor that he was, offered to help. And after 30 minutes of struggling, the man finally gave up and said to his neighbor, we'll never get this washing machine into the house. To which the neighbor responded, get it in. I've been trying to get it out. You know, we don't understand what God is doing and how God is working. And sometimes when we come alongside and we, we rush into things, we end up working against the plan of God. And many times as we offer up, we end up hindering God's work or making matters worse. So one of the symptoms is trying to find ways to help God. Now, there are things that God has told us to do and that we ought to be doing and working with him. But there's a lot of areas where God is doing a work and we're opposing that work simply by our impatience. Second system, do you find yourself, yourself overstepping the boundaries? And we see other examples of this in Scripture. In, in 1 Samuel 10, 8, God told Samuel that he was to wait and go to Gilgal and wait for Samuel to come and then offer the sacrifice. And if you have your Bibles, just turn real quickly to... Uh, First uh, Samuel chapter 10. And we'll see what happened there as those instructions kind of weren't followed the way they intended to be followed. First Samuel chapter 10 and verse 8, here's what he was supposed to do. Then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come and show you what you are to do. And then over in verse 13, we find out what Saul did in verses 8 and 9. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattering for him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. Well, he stepped over the boundaries. He was not to offer an offering. He was not a priest. And God, through Samuel, told him what he needed to do. And, you know, I can just see him getting up on the morning of the seventh day. Well, he's not here, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Only to have Samuel show up. And he thought he had some good reasons for not waiting any longer. I mean, the Philistines, they're building up their forces and they're about to sweep, swoop down and, and destroy us. And so we had to get this going. We couldn't wait anymore. His own people were deserting him. Something had to be done. 
I mean, that's what leaders do. They take charge, right? And Samuel, your tardiness forced me to take the course of action that I did. That was Saul's thinking. He stepped over the boundaries that God had given him. We grow patient and and you need to skip the next line and go to the one. But we grow impatient because we think God is late. The truth is we are just early. God is never late. And we see that as we think about this idea of being impatient a person maybe is, is tired of waiting for God to provide the mate that, that God would have. And so they begin to take things into their own hands. Or maybe they lowered their standards a little bit because for them time is running out. And really it's still maybe God's plan. If we want God's provision, we must wait for God's instructions And for his timing. And symptom number three. Now you can go back up to the. uh, We become. We become restless and irritable. If we don't rest in the Lord. We become restless. We prayed but the answer hasn't come. And pastor it's been two whole seconds. You know the guy prayed for patience. And he told God I want patience. And I want it now. That's the way we operate. We need to understand God hasn't forgotten. He still answers prayer in his time and in his way. That leads to frustration and irritability. I think of the deaths of Lazarus in John 11. And I think of the discussion of Mary and Martha in that home. I wonder where Jesus is. I mean, you sure he got the message? Well, he isn't here. I mean, we thought he was a good friend. And maybe he's just showing, you know, his true colors or something. And I can just imagine they had some of those discussions. And then when three days later, the Lord Jesus finally comes, you know, they probably had a lot of thoughts that they didn't understand Jesus could read. But what happened out of that? God had something better to do as far as serving Lazarus and he brought him back to life. That's a greater miracle. God is more interested in giving us his best than giving us maybe what would be quicker or better in our eyes. We need to get a grip on the truth that God doesn't make us wait just because he likes to make us squirm. He has a reason. Satan always puts his best up front so people will grab it quickly. That's instant gratification. That's our culture. That's our society. I want this and I want it now. God is more interested in giving us his best rather than when we will get it. He wants us to wait. He wants us to be patient. And there are some benefits for that. Why does God have us wait? 
I don't claim to know the mind of God, but here are some things, some reasons sometimes that may, God may choose to have us wait for something that he wants to do. We may not be ready for what God has for us. That waiting period may be to prepare us. Maybe if you're praying about a mate. God may know that there's something yet with you that needs to be developed before that person that he wants to bring into your life to be your mate before that happens. And he's using that time to knock off some more rough edges so that you will be the person he wants you to be and the person this other person needs for a mate. We may simply not be ready yet for what he has planned. Then I think about a later event in the life of Abraham and Isaac. If God, if Abraham had not seen God provide the way he did in his promise, even though Abraham tried to short circuit it, how would this have impacted the time when God told him to sacrifice his only son and lay him on the altar? I, th- I think Abraham, no doubt, was thinking back, well, you know, God did what he said there, even though I messed it up. God's going to do what he says here. He gave me this son. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to do what he says as he and, and Isaac trod up Mount Moriah to make that great sacrifice. God had to have him ready for that moment. Waiting is time used to prepare us for what God has for us. The second one is what God has planned for us may not be ready yet for us. God may be still in the process of working on another person or bringing in some other events or wanting, preparing us through a different life situation. There may be a set of events that need to happen to make certain that the situation in his time works out the way he has planned it. And to bring all of these events together. You can gather the greatest musicians in the world to play. But if the musician's timing is off. Because they are not following the conductor. The music. No matter how well they are individually. The music is not going to work. It will be confusing. Timing makes the difference. Between something being beautiful and chaotic and God in his timing, the right people in the right place, doing the right things in the right situation allows awesome things to happen for the glory of God. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes tries to tell us. There's a time for everything. God is in control. Trust him. Don't grow impatient with him. Reason number three, God may be using the waiting period to develop patience. We don't think about that one sometimes. He may want to bring about a a set of events to teach us the patience that we're going to need maybe for something bigger down the road that we don't know about. But God in eternity past planned it specifically for us on our journey and our path. 
And the word picture is the picture of patience is being able to stand up under pressure. That's the idea. As more pressure is applied, we're able to stand up under it. And sometimes we have to go through other times of developing patience to do that. If you, if you, on a weight regimen, you don't just start out with 400 pounds. You know, you build yourself up. You have to go up a little bit. It'll increase the resistance so that you can do more. And that's what God is doing with us in our lives. He's building us up with patience and trust so that we will be prepared for maybe something bigger that he has for us. Isaiah, the prophet, writes that if we wait upon the Lord, he will renew our strength. He will cause us to soar like eagles. Paul, in writing about Abraham in Romans 4, says in verse 20 and 21 that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And that came about through the lesson with the child when he couldn't able to have one. And then we see it progress when he said, I'm going to, I want you to go up and sacrifice Isaac. And yet he provided a sacrifice. And, and so he was building Abraham's faith and trusting God. Trust me. And God is doing that sometimes. Reason number four, God has us waiting because he wants to do a greater miracle. We saw that with Lazarus. I mean, he could have come and healed him on the bed of affliction while he was sick. And I think you'll understand what I'm saying. I mean, he'd done that before. That would have been no biggie for the people who were following Jesus and observing the things he was doing. Oh, yeah, he, he heals all the time. But when they confirmed that Lazarus was dead and Jesus calls him forth out of the tomb and brings him back, that got people's attention. God had a greater purpose. And he had a greater miracle. And it involved waiting on the part of those who loved Lazarus. God's delays are not necessarily denials. How many times have we prayed for something and, well, God didn't answer that prayer and so we quit praying for it and we move on. And maybe months or years later, God answers that prayer. And many times he reminds us, remember way back in when you prayed for that and then you quit praying for it because I didn't answer in what you thought was a reasonable time frame. I've been working. And I provided an answer for you. And many times those delays, God is just doing preparing us for something great that he wants to do. So we're just thinking a little bit about this whole idea of waiting on God. The psalmist writes about this and he, he gives us, I think, some things to do while waiting on God. When we have prayed and, answer, and God's answer has not seemed to come. In Psalm 37... Again, we're not going to do a deep dive into the psalm. We're just going to pick up 
some very apparent words in Psalm 37. And in the title of the psalm is, is, He will not forget His saints. God will not forget us. And the psalmist is writing in a situation where things seem to be falling apart. And as in other psalms, as we've seen, as pastor has been going through them, that there seems to be a time where we reach a point that, that we panic. We're asking God, I don't understand what's going on. God, you're not doing what I expected you to do. Or you're not doing what you promised and we don't understand. We're confused. And that's where I believe the psalmist is in Psalm 37. And yet he gives us some insight on what to do when we are frustrated with God's timing or things don't appear to be working out the way we want them to work out when we're growing impatient with God and God's people and the timing of all the ways that they are working. Here's what the psalmist tells us. Of course, he tells us to fret not of yourself because of evildoers. Don't fret over your situation. But here's the first positive one. Number one, trust in the Lord. Just simply trust in God. When everything doesn't seem to be going the way you think it ought to go, when you can't see the fulfillment of the promises of God, where, where you wonder if, if, if he has forgotten what he said he would do. We just need trust in God. I talked to a lot of believers and, and, you know, the Lord has promised to come back. We find those promises throughout the Bible, but you can talk to believers who are really beginning to wonder about that. Well, how can things get any worse? I mean, it's been over, you know, 2000 years since we, we, we saw and we heard that, that he's coming back. And, and when is he coming? And we begin to get discouraged. And the psalmist tells us rightly, so just continue to trust in God. Folks, he is coming again. It could happen yet today. It may be another 2,000 years. I don't know. But God asks us to trust. To trust him. And as you look at these Old Testament, New Testament stories of where God made promises and people grew impatient. The ultimate outcome was God did what he said. And folks were blessed in spite of their impatience. Now there were some consequences sometimes. But we just need to learn to trust in God. That's what the psalmist tells us here. No matter what the circumstances, trust, God has not forgotten. And God has heard our prayers. Then in verse 4, he says, delight yourself in the Lord. You ever notice how time flies when you're having fun? I mean, that week of vacation, I'm sure Pastor enjoyed his time at the conference. I'm sure that those days flew by. And when he goes in the office, you know, he'll Monday he'll be, man, is this day over yet? You know, time flies when when we're having fun. And, and God here wants us to delight ourselves in him. Man, I woke up this morning. I took a breath. The sun was out. God is good. And you, you dig into his word and you find something to rejoice in him about. And and yeah, he at that moment, he still hasn't come. But he's promised to. And we just need to delight in him on every 
day that God gives us. I sometimes think the reason that unbelievers don't respond to our gospel presentations is because they're watching our lives. We're not happy about anything. You know, a situation at work or, you know, who our new neighbor is or if we're God's people, we ought to be delighting ourselves in him every day and the world ought to see that. The third thing the psalmist tells us is commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. This means putting your life, your plans, your future into God's hands. Even if he doesn't give you a detailed explanation in advance for you to sign off on, yeah, God, I approve your plan for my life. Are we just willing to trust in what he's going to do for us every day? That he has a plan, it's eternal, that whatever he's doing is conforming us into the image of his son, and praise God, that's good enough. And the psalmist tells us one more thing. Finally, it's just to rest in the Lord. As you are waiting, don't worry. If everyone else seems to have received their answers to prayer and you haven't, just keep waiting. When you rest in the Lord, you remove deadlines. You allow God to work in His time and in His plan and in His way. It took Abraham 25 years after God made the promise for him to have a descendant, to have that descendant. He was 100 years old. And he learned lessons about God along the way. You see, I think in a practical way, we have to understand circumstances don't matter to God. He's the God of circumstances. He's in control of that. Neither does time. And we just don't have that concept of what is it like, you know, what is eternity? God is not bound by our circumstances or time. All he has to do is speak the word and it will happen. You can go back in the first chapters of Genesis and see that. We just need to learn to be patient as God is working. And to tie back into our music theme, it's his amazing grace that he allows us sometimes to be impatient and he still blesses. I mean, I think of times in my life that I was not very patient with God. I wanted to see this happen. I wanted to see this now. I wanted to understand this. And God blessed in spite of my impatience with him. Because he's a God of grace. And maybe as you're thinking about your time in your life and and we've laughed a little bit about, you know, these evidences of impatience, but deep down you're convicted because you know you have not been as patient with God as you ought to be. Then remind us of what we've sung about God's grace. And he still has a plan and he's still working. 
And he's still teaching you. And maybe we need to make some attitude changes as in our approach to God. So, at the end of every message, I always ask those people that are preaching, if I have an opportunity to preach, what do you want us to do? Okay, here it is. Believers, I want you to wait on God. I want you to be patient with Him and His plan as He works. And tonight, or this morning, as we, as we close the service, maybe you just need to pause and, and, and confess to God, God, I haven't been as patient with you and the way you're working in my life and the things that I think ought to be happening that aren't as I ought to be. And I just want to confess that to you. And I just want to trust in you. I want to rest in you. I want to delight in you as I'm waiting for you to do the work you want to do in my life. And I don't know how your personal response will be to that, but if there's somebody you, you want to come and, and, and pray with somebody about that or just simply talk to God about that, I guess my, would be, people here would be happy to help you. But if you're here this morning and you've heard us sing about God's amazing grace and the grace of God and, and how God works in spite of uh, how we respond and we react, and you realize this morning that you don't know that God in a personal way. I'm asking you this morning not to wait. And to respond to the great gracious invitation that he has for you to become a part of his family. So that he can work in your life and he, he can fulfill his plan in your life. And that you can be guaranteed an eternity in heaven. had the privilege this Wednesday to do a funeral for, for Brother Dick. And, and I, I, as I challenge the people, the, the question isn't eternal life. We're all going to live somewhere. The question is where? And the Bible gives us two choices, heaven or hell. Those of us who are bound for heaven, sometimes we're just a little impatient to get there. You know, this whole world is, is not, you know, but we've got to leave that up to God's timing. But if you're not assured of that, the Bible says your, your eternal place of residence is in a place called hell, forever separated from God. And yet this God of amazing grace sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. And he's inviting you to come. Have someone explain to you from scripture what his son did for you and how you can receive eternal life. So as we sing a few minutes, we're going to sing, I believe it's Amazing Grace again. I'll be down front. Todd's going to be leading us. If you need to come, we invite you to do that. Pastor, myself, several folks here in the church would be happy to take you somewhere, pray with you, and meet that need. Maybe to help with confession on impatience or as an unbeliever to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. For your word, we thank you for these examples as we see in these lives where you made promises and folks took things into their own hands. And Father, we see the consequences of that. Help us as your people to wait upon you, to trust in you, to delight in you while we're waiting. Let you work so that you can get the praise and the glory and honor for all that is accomplished.
Father, as believers, we, we may need to come to you and just confess our impatience with your plan and your working in our lives. And if one here does not know for sure that they have Jesus Christ as their Savior, of a guaranteed home in heaven, we just ask that you would spur them with the Spirit of God to come and to not wait to make that decision, but to do it today so that they can bask in your goodness and your love and your plans for them. In Jesus' name, amen.